how are you now? <laughs> how are you now? How am I now? I'm glad I asked. You know, you may have noticed that the uh, the music is back. The music is back. I found out. I thought that Vox Media owned that music. And turns out my man Jared Book actually bought the rights to those music. So technically he owns the rights. And he has graciously allowed me to continue using that music. And we are going to continue using that music, at least for the time being. We may we may rebrand a little bit when we figure out our, our new platform or whatever it is that we're going to do with Habs Eyes and the Prize. But at the end of the day, the music is back. And hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and your Montreal Canadiens lose 4-3 to three to the Detroit Red Wings in overtime. What happened? Well, honestly, I think you could make an argument that they deserve to lose that one in regulation. <laughs> but they didn't. So let's get into the recap. Uh, right off the bat, you know, the first thing that you notice coming into that game, Jake Allen's back. Nice to see him back between the pipes. He's been injured for a little while. We've seen Samuel Montembeau put up some really uh, inspiring performances. But always nice to see a guy come back from injury and get an opportunity to get back in there uh, and get some action. And he allows a goal on the first shot. The good news in that is that it took six minutes. Or no, not six, it was like four minutes into the game before the Detroit Red Wings got a shot. The bad news is they scored on it. Michael Rasmussen just kind of skates into the side of the slot. Chris Weidman not really doing a whole heck of a lot to stop him from getting a shot on goal. And he goes over the glove on Allen, and it's one nothing. And <clears throat> I was thinking at that point, this might get ugly. If Jake Allen lets in the first shot, you know, he's been off for a while, hasn't probably hasn't felt that many pucks outside of like warm-up and maybe a couple of practices. Uh, what's this going to look like if shot number one goes in? Uh, but he settled in and actually had a pretty decent game and a, a really decent first period for sure. Now, the Habs really not pushing the pace very much in this game but a few minutes later a lazy pass by Ben Sherratt okay makes a lazy pass trying to break out of his own zone doesn't really wait and allow the play to develop and Alex Belzil gets a tip on it Rafael Harvey Pinard kicks it over to Michael Pizzetta he's up in the slot and he shoots it past Vili Husso and makes it 1-1 we're all tied up now that's our score at the end of 20 minutes and one thing I noticed in the first period is that the referees were calling absolutely nothing. There was a couple of hits from behind by the um, by the Red Wings that I thought could have been at, at the very least boarding. You know, they weren't super dirty hits that need to be suspendable or anything like that. But for sure, I felt like there were some penalties that could have been called, and there were some penalties that could have been called against the Montreal Canadiens as well. Kirby Doc got away with a clear slew foot in the slot in the Red Wings zone, and that would come back at the very beginning of the second period. He would get into a fight with Andrew Kopp immediately off of the opening draw at center ice. Uh, he beat the fucking brakes off of Andrew Kopp, by the way. So that was a bit of a <laughs> bad decision by Andrew Kopp to get into that fight. But, you know, it is what it is. The first penalties of the game were those two five for fighting. And not long after that, they call their first minor of the game. And guess what? Despite the slew foots, the hits from behind... The high sticking, the tripping, the hooking, all the stuff that was going on in the first period. The first minor penalty that they call is Chris Weidman for chucking the puck out to Narnia. Throws it over the glass. And that's a two-minute penalty. The first penalty they call is the stupidest rule in the game. And the wings strike on that one. This time it's uh, Jonathan Bergren gets a Dylan Larkin rebound at the side of the net. Puts it in and makes it 2-1. to one. But later on in the period, the Habs are killing a penalty again. This time... 
a brutal high stick by Mike Matheson against Lucas Raymond goes uncalled in the defensive zone for the Montreal Canadiens, and it leads to a two-on-one for the Habs going the other way. It's Kirby Doc going in with Raphael Harvey-Pinard. He throws it over to RHP. RHP goes bar downski to tie it up at two. The Red Wings are furious. I even made a clip of this and put it on Twitter. And I'm like, I can't believe this is a brutal high stick. How did they miss it? And then people started pointing out to me, that's a follow through. And I looked at the clip that I made uh, and managed to realize through people pointing it out to me on Twitter that, yeah, he was, Matheson was trying to backhand the puck out of the zone. It's a follow through. It's not a penalty. It's very unfortunate, and, uh, you know, Raymond was leaking all over the ice, but it's not a penalty. It, it just looked really bad, and the Red Wings were very upset about it, but at the end of the day, there's nothing you can really do. It's 2-2, and uh, that is, in fact, not a penalty. So, for once, I'm actually going to give credit to the officials. I was just talking some shit about them in the first period. Um, they made the right call, or the, the right non-call, rather, in this case. We're at 2-2 at this point, but the Red Wings are heavily outshooting the Habs heavily i think it was 22 to 6 or something stupid like that uh they, it really shouldn't be that close six and change to play in the game they get one right point shot goes off of oscar sunquist's body i can't even say that name pro- properly oscar sunquist goes off his body and then um he made some contact with jake allen on that play but Martin Saint-Louis makes a wise decision not to challenge it. I don't think there was enough there to overturn it. Uh, he doesn't challenge, and again, smart decision. It's 3-2 to two for the Red Wings. But later on in the fourth period, again with the fourth-line players. This time, Alex Belzil makes a beautiful pass to Michael Pizzetta in transition. He feeds it over to Raphael Harvey-Pinard, streaking into the middle, and this time he goes backhand Bardownski, and it's 3-3. Three to three. The fourth line really putting on a show for the Habs in this game. And then we go into the third. The third period's a wash, right? We get a, a little bit of rough stuff, you know, nothing too special. No goals. Uh, really good goaltending at both ends. Shots are apparently 36-24 to 24 in favor of Detroit by the end of that third period. Uh, so it turns out Jake Allen, like I said, uh, he lets in a goal in the first shot. You're thinking maybe this is going to be a rough night for him. Not so much. He faced 36 shots. Uh, gave up three goals, but I'd say it's a pretty good night of work out of him for his first game back coming off of injury. Um, worked out pretty well for him. Now, the Habs start overtime with a four-on-three power play due to a high stick uh, uh, by Rasmussen at the end of the third period, right? But it's a short one. But what I really loved about it is that they actually sent Rafael Harvey-Pinard out there to start that overtime with the power play. I think he deserved it. They gave him that shot, and he actually got a really, really good chance with a one-timer standing right around the face-off dot and got absolutely robbed by Vili Husso. And that turned out to be the difference maker because the puck after the penalty was over ended up going down the other way, and it is Robbie Fabry from Michael Rasmussen. He scores and makes it 4-3. to three. That's your final. Hmm. What a game from the fourth line. What a game from the fourth line. So your silver lining of the night, I'm going to give you three names, and we're going to talk about all three of them. Number one, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. It's Raphael Harvey Pinar, a.k.a. Lavaliger. Sportsnet put out a stat that he's the first player in Montreal Canadiens history, or not history, he's the first player since Brendan Gallagher, I think, to, to have four goals in his first nine games in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Um, he has looked absolutely fantastic, just pushing the pace 
um, really, really adept at finding those lanes on the rush. Like, that was two times in that game where he finds a lane on the rush. One of them was a two-on-one, so I know, I guess, take that one with a grain of salt. But the other one, he had a guy all over him. When he went backhand and bar down, guy all over him. I forget who it was. It might have been Sherrod. Sherrod had a rough game, by the way. But <laughs> regardless of who it was, to fill that lane, take that pass, and then have the balls to just take it to the backhand and go bar down like that, like a lot of guys are going to try to drive the net instead, but he just trusted himself, trusted his shot, and let it go. And it was a fucking beautiful goal, man. Like that's two bar down goals in the same game. Like you, you're going to remember that one forever. You're going to remember that one forever. And I think this kid is going to be very difficult for the Habs to take out of their lineup, even when they start getting healthy. He may, with the way that he's played since he got brought up, he may have passed Jesse Alonen at this point in terms of the pecking order for those who have been called up from the Laval Rocket, he might actually be ahead in the pecking order. I'm dead serious about that. I can't see how you could take him out of the lineup. He just brings so much energy. Again, that Lavaliger moniker that people gave him, what, I think two years ago was when that really started because he wears number 11, plays down Laval, and plays a pretty similar style to Brendan Gallagher. It fits because he's such a high energy player. And the difference here is, you know, his body has not gone through years and years and years of playing that style. So he's still capable of doing it in a way that, that Gallagher may not be, um, which that really pains me to say because I love Brendan Gallagher. But the the reality is I, I think the Habs need to try and figure out whether or not he's a legitimate long-term solution for them. I do. Um, I, I think even when people start coming back from injury, I, I think they need to try and figure out a way to keep him in there, especially if he keeps playing like this until people are ready to come back from injury. Uh, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. And while we're at it, uh, let's throw a shout out to Alex Benzil as well. Man, has he played some fantastic hockey since being called up too. That fourth line as a whole, like I said, they're your three silver linings of the night. But Belzil, I was very impressed with the way that he played. Um, that pass that he put on Pizzetta's stick. Look, if you watch hockey, you know, as a casual and you see, I don't know, five, ten games a year, you might not look at that pass and say, wow, right? It's not, it's not something that's going to show up on the, the TSN top ten or anything like that. But knowing the game. If you watch every Montreal Canadiens game, you know that one thing that they struggle with more than anything at times is transition through the neutral zone, gaining the zone, getting out of their own zone, moving it through the neutral zone in general. He made a perfect heads-up pass over to Michael, Michael Pizzetta, and then that set up the entire play. Right, And then you go back to the first goal. Right, He jumps that route. He sees that lazy pass by Ben Sherratt, jumps right in there, gets on it. He's relentless on the forecheck. He's showing zero care for his own health when he goes into the corners. Like You have to respect that. This is a guy who's 31 years old and he's never scored an NHL goal. He's been basically an AHL journeyman throughout his entire career. I want to see this guy get his first NHL goal so bad. I feel like he deserves it, and I really want it to be in front of a Montreal Canadiens crowd as well. I want it to be in front of the Bell Centre faithful. I believe he deserves to have that moment. So he's another guy. I'd like to see him stick for a little bit longer, but I think he's a little bit further down in the pecking order. And then you have to talk about Michael Pizzetta as well. Again, the holy trinity on the fourth line there. Man, did they play a fucking good game. Pizzetta was all over the Red Wings on the forecheck. Um, obviously, he set up 
the uh, second Harvey Pinar goal, and he scored one of his own. The, the goal that he scored, again, just really smart positioning, right? He recognizes that the turnover happened uh, and just kind of goes directly towards the net. I mean, th- these are simple things, right? Again, it's maybe not something that you're required to get excited about, but simple things like that are what makes a team good, right? I don't know if Michael Pizzetta has much of a future with the Montreal Canadiens beyond this season. Uh, to be honest, I think he's been surpassed by some of these guys that came up from Laval. I think the only reason they haven't put him in, put him on waivers at this point is because they've had so many players injured. Uh, but I do wonder, you know, are they going to be able to maybe find a trade for him as a result of the way that he's been playing since this new fourth line got put together? You know, it's a morbid thought that I want to throw in here. Um, during that game, we saw Joel Edmondson get hurt in the first period and not come back. That's unfortunate. We also saw Christian Dvorak get banged up. He did come back, but he did not look like he was at 100%. This is a morbid thought, a very morbid thought. So I want to be clear, I don't celebrate injuries in any case. Even for players on other teams, I do not like celebrating injuries for professional athletes. You know, that's their livelihood right there. It's never good to see somebody go down. But please don't hate me for saying this. I think these injuries are presenting an opportunity for the Montreal Canadiens. The sheer amount of injuries that they've had has presented an opportunity. You would think that they would be losing games, but they've actually got a better record over the last eight games than you could possibly expect, even if they were healthy. I mean, I guess if they were fully healthy, you could maybe expect to have the same record, but it's been way better than we thought it would be, given the injuries. Why is that? Last episode, I talked about spare parts, right? Well, the spare parts are performing extremely well for this team. Extremely well. They're playing big minutes. You saw RHP out there to start overtime on a power play. Martin Saint-Louis is doing a fantastic job of turning all these injuries into an opportunity to evaluate young talent from the farm. This is good news for the Habs. I didn't want them to get a loser point tonight. I would have honestly, for, for the sake of improving their draft lottery odds, I would have preferred if, if that Robbie Fabry goal happened at the end of the third period. I would still be saying all the same things that I said right now. Nothing would change in terms of how I evaluated that game. I don't care if they win or lose. I want to see some excitement. They gave us that, right? They gave us a game that went down to the wire 3-3 in the third period. And I want to see young players take a step forward in their career. We saw that. That's all that mattered. Again, I, I couldn't have cared less. If Robbie Fabry scored that goal with two minutes to go in the third and then they got an extra empty netter and they lost by two goals, it would not have mattered to me. I would still be sitting here saying the exact same things. This is good news for the Montreal Canadiens. We're looking at some kids that might actually be able to come up and play in the middle six, bottom six roles that you're going to need to fill on a team that's going to be competitive. They have 11 draft picks next year. They got a bunch of draft picks they made last year and the year before that are potentially going to be coming up into the show next year. This is a team that is rebuilding. We need to figure out what these young players can do. And the good news is that that's precisely what they're doing. And not only are they doing it, Martin Saint-Louis is trusting them with legitimate minutes. This is fantastic. I don't I, honestly. I know Team Tank's not going to be happy about <laughs> about getting that loser point. There's probably a lot of people on Twitter right now, as I'm recording this, watching the Colorado Avalanche play against the Anaheim Ducks, um, that are freaking out and saying, you know, we don't need that. We don't need Jake Allen dragging us into overtime. Well, you know what? 
maybe stop looking at it that way and start looking at it from the perspective of, well, what happened with the guys that we've brought up from the farm? Did they play well? Well, then this is good. This is good. Who else played well outside of the fourth line? I gave you your silver lining. I gave you three of them. Um, Jake Allen, I think you got to single out his performance as well. He played very well. Uh, Again, I thought after letting in the first shot of the game, he was in for a rough night. I thought he was going to get ran up, and that didn't happen. Uh, He settled into the game, and he played fantastic. Again, I mentioned this last episode, and I'll say it again. I think he's trade bait. I think if he can string together four or five more good performances and prove that there's no ill effects from the injury, I think there's an opportunity there to maybe move him to another team. And then next year we can get a little bit younger at the position and start to evaluate who could be uh, the, the starter going forward for the end of the rebuild, right? It's nothing against Jake Allen. It's just he's a little bit older. I don't think that his age fits within the timeline of when the Habs are going to be ready to compete. Outside of Jake Allen and that fourth line, um, I really like Josh Anderson again. Uh, This is a string of really good games from him. I think he might be getting a little bit tired with all the minutes that he's playing. I think the same thing for Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki just looked tired out there at times. He threw a shot on net at one point where he was just kind of like off balance, and it was a weak shot, and Vili Husso made a very easy save with his pad as a result. I really think that, again, something that I wrote about on my Substack. While you're in this situation, like Christian Dvorak might be banged up too. Don't trot him out there if he's hurt, right? Let him sit and make one of those emergency recalls. Get Joshua Hua up from the QMJHL. If you don't want to do that, go get Owen Beck up. Go get Philip Mashar up. You have options, right? You're allowed to go to that emergency recall. I think they need to use it, but maybe they know something I don't and somebody else is coming back sooner than we possibly expected. I have no idea, but... From what I'm seeing, that's the one negative that I took from that game is that I'm seeing some some straight-up fatigue from a couple of players. Kirby Doc, I should single out as well, actually. He had a very good game, but he's another player where I'm seeing fatigue out of him. He played a fantastic game, a fantastic game, but what was that slew foot, right? He's going to get a fine for that, for sure. Absolutely, he's going to get a fine for that. Um, he might even get a game suspension. I'd be surprised if he gets a suspension, but he's going to get... Like, he's for sure going to get a fine at least. But what was that slew foot? That was just, that, that seemed like laziness to me. It seemed like you wanted to put the body on the guy, but you didn't really want to put the body on the guy, so you just kind of swept him with your knee a little bit in the back and pushed him over with your elbow. That's an easy one to do, you know? I, I feel like part of that is fatigue. I think he's getting tired of playing all these minutes. And this is why playing with 11 forwards is going to get dangerous, especially you know, if Christian Dvorak didn't come back in that game, they would have had to double shift even more guys. We're going to have even more guys that are going to be tired. we got to start thinking about that. I think that Martin Saint-Louis is probably noticing it as well. And I'm, I'm hoping soon that we get one of those emergency call-ups. Or if not, you know, call up one more guy from Laval. I know we've picked them basically to the bone at this point. But let's just try to make sure that we don't injure any of these players that are really getting a chance to develop themselves. That's what's important here, the development. Right, so with some good news there, I think I'm going to cut it off at that point. Right, I think we had a pretty good overall showing from some of the players in Laval, and I think that's one of the most important things that we could have possibly seen in that game. So, overall, a good night. And what are we running? Uh, we're running over 20 minutes. 
So yeah, I'll, I'll cut it off there. Before I do, uh, I, I do want to once again mention um, the, the situation over at EOTP. It is evolving. Um, we have some interesting irons in the fire right now for a potential new solution. I can't really talk about them right now, but things are moving. We're, we're having conversations. We're having good conversations. Uh, we're having conversations that are very encouraging for the staff uh, in terms of our future. So stay tuned because we're going to have something soon. Until then, uh, please do subscribe to my Substack. Uh, you can subscribe to me as well on Apple, on Spotify. Uh, I'm also on Google Play. I'm on a bunch of different uh, platforms. Really, if you go over to my Twitter, at DrakeMT, and follow me there, I would appreciate that very much, by the way. Uh, you can also check in my bio. The link in my bio on Twitter is my link tree, and it shows all of the different platforms that Substack is able to put my podcast out on. There is a fucking lot of them. Most of them I had never heard of before in my life, and I make a podcast. So, uh, number one goes to show what I know, and number two, if you don't like Apple or Google or Spotify, if you don't use any one of those three, if you use something, you know, obscure that you feel like most people haven't heard of, I, I have, I think there's a pretty good chance that Substack is putting me out on there as well. So, go have a look at that at DrakeMT on Twitter. Follow me on there. Take a look at the link in my bio. The link tree is going to show you everything and you can go pick and choose your favorite platform and listen to me on there. I greatly appreciate the support. Last episode that I put out was one of the most downloaded episodes that I've ever put out and I did that on a brand new platform. So really that is thanks to everybody who has taken the time to listen to me, listen to my dumbass rant about the Montreal Canadiens for 20 minutes sometimes tonight. At this point, we're actually at 22 minutes. So I will cut it off there. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.